Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, Dave, and occasionally a special guest here to talk about the club that we love, Tottenham Hotspur. Come on, you Spurs. Let's go. And hey, we are Wicked Spursy. This is Mike, Steve, and Dave. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, had a really good weekend. The um, you know got to go to uh, a, a nice cross country uh, race with uh, my daughter, and then my uh, while well, my son went to or my uh, wife went with my son to his Saturday um, rec league soccer, and then uh, Sunday we got to uh, really do um, have a wonderful time at a tournament where. Uh, where my son was playing uh, it was a it was a really really big tournament and uh there are a number of teams there a number of different clubs and uh travel clubs and such and uh it was really neat to see the progression of of, of these kids in the fall from the from the springtime over the summer so um i might want to do a little recap of uh of their games too before we actually get started <laughs> fair enough we can we can make time for that but first steve how are you how was your weekend you know, not too bad. I took a family trip out to Maine. It's an absolutely beautiful state. Um, you know, we were uh, in Wiscasset, about I think like an hour north of Portland. Um, it was it was beautiful. You know, I got to bring my son out to the uh, ocean for the first time ever. He was not quite sure what to make of it. It was really foggy out too, so you couldn't really see very far, which made it seem that much more grand in a way, right? Because it's like here's this massive body of water. And then it's just nothing, like just flat out nothing, you know, it's completely invisible beyond that. Um, so he was really into that. That was, that was super exciting. And, uh, you know, the main wildlife park, he got to see some of the, uh, you know, native species of the state, uh, you know, different than the dogs and cats he's used to, but uh, no, he was super into it and it, that made the trip uh, totally worthwhile. So, Steve, was this the beginning of your son becoming a flat earth theorist? It's going to come up a few years <laughs> down the road. I've been there. I saw the ocean there. there. It just ends. There's nothing there. That was the end of the world. It just drops off right there. Now, I'm sure he's going to want to test that theory out. We didn't let him get in there. You know, it was a little a little colder out in the morning when we got there. And, uh, you know, when, when I was a kid, um, you know, my aunt made the mistake of letting me get into the uh you know just let the waves kind of splash over my feet a bit until i got pulled in and you know then i was just soaking wet i was like i'm not about to have that happen so you know maybe next year when he's a little older and can follow directions a little better i'll let him but um, yeah you don't want your kid getting pulled into the freezing cold atlantic <laughs> no. nope. No. nope and the water is not balmy ever so yeah it's, it's best to keep him out for the time being hey mike so tell us a little bit about uh Youth club soccer. What do you have to share with us? So uh, my son plays for uh, Far Post uh, uh, Soccer Club. Um, they're uh, a, a premier um, travel club. Uh, they don't operate within the school systems or within within the recreational leagues. They're part of the Vermont Football Association, um, along with a number of other clubs throughout the state. And 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 uh, just to plug Far Post real quick, um, their their management their um, organize the entire organization from top to bottom, from from the U5s to the to the U18s are, are just phenomenal, and it's and it's a wonderful uh, it's it's a wonderful experience being part of having my son be part of uh, Fire Post. But um, that said, we went to uh, uh, the uh, 
some spring memorial jamboree or something like that. Um, I can't remember uh, what it was actually called, but it was in Stowe, Vermont, which if you've ever been there, this is the time of year to visit Stowe, Vermont, um, right around the, the changing of the leaves and such. So uh, the, the soccer complex is just picturesque. It just kind of sits in the mountains and it's really cool. Um, so we got there at 8 a.m. We had three games that day. Um, we got there at 8 a.m. And it's an hour drive from where we are. So it's an early start. My, uh, my son's team uh, had that early start. They're, they're now the U10 kids that are, uh, you know, 10 actual, the 10 year olds. So they're the premier team of the two U10 teams. Last year, they were the eight and nine year old kids playing U10. So we play up a level, um, which was tough last spring because we got our asses handed to us quite often. This, this game, this first game was a little rough. Uh, we didn't have our two goalies. They weren't there. So my son had to play in goal for half of the, for half of the game. Uh, it, it's not his favorite position. He gave up a couple of goals. Uh, and so he was a little down on himself because we ended up with a draw um, and they wanted to come away with all nine points, you know? So the second game, uh, they put him in a striker. He, uh, the, the, he scored twice. Um, which was phenomenal. His buddy Jake scored twice, but what I saw out of these, this youth team and, uh, and it kind of goes into uh, what they teach them from the very beginning at far post is to kind of play in triangles. It's a seven V seven, right? So these kids, they all play in triangles up and down the field, but I've got to tell you that the way the midfield played and, and the two and the two defensive uh, fullbacks I could never have imagined watching something like this out of a, a bunch of 10 year olds. Um, the, it, the linking play was something that we've been looking for from Spurs for ever, you know, that, that midfield linking play. We have a kid named, named uh, Reeves on the team who was just a beast in midfield. He's our Hoiberg, you know, if you will. Uh, my son being the kind of the little Lucas Mora um, little spark plug, but um it, it's pretty amazing to watch. So we won that second game five to one. Uh, we got into the third game and um, their confidence was just brimming and you could see it. And youth soccer is, is super fun. All the, all the, the families are, are there and everybody's cheering on their kids and every, every kid loves to have somebody cheering for them. And, and uh just the third game was phenomenal it kind of stinks it kind of stunk for the other team they had a couple of real little kids real young kids on their team but um I gotta say like seven to one um his buddy Jake who scored with him in the second game uh had four goals uh and then uh and then Lucas had uh Lucas had one goal in that game but it's just so fun to watch and it's fun to watch these kids when they have that confidence and you know, they got beat down a lot last spring, um, especially, you know, especially traveling uh, within the state and, and playing a lot of games and having a lot of training days. So I just want to kind of break that down. And, and I really uh, I got to really throw it uh, throw it out there to Firepost Soccer because they're, they're probably the premier soccer club in the state. And, and it's just amazing to be a part of great coaches. The coach Todd, who runs the whole program really instills confidence in these kids and he and he gives like a 20 minute pep pep talk after each game 
and then he runs to the next kids games, you know, I mean, he's all over the place. So I, I, I'm just going to throw it out to them and, and uh, give them a little plug there, but it was, it was such a fun weekend. And, you know, I, my big proud dad moment right there. So. Hey, appreciate you sharing that. Glad to hear you didn't play the, uh, the inappropriate football dad who uh, yelled at the refs or got kicked out of the, out of the game. So congratulations. No, I've, I've seen Todd actually come across the field at one of the, his own fire post parents during a game and, and kick them off the field. <laughs> he doesn't allow coach. That's he a good doesn't coach for you right there. Also, I, I'm, I'm proud of you that at least someone got to watch uh, a football match on Sunday where goals were scored by the team they were supporting. So at least you had that going for you, Mike, as opposed to... I bleed orange, man. I bleed to, orange. <laughs> as opposed to the rest of us in Spurs land. Um, let's, let's, let's start out on midweek Thursday. We had uh, the match in the Conference League against Ren. Why don't we start with just some reaction to that, Steve? We haven't gotten to hear from you for over a week because you've been uh, out running all over the country doing fun stuff, but tell us your, your takeaway on, uh, on rent. <sighs> Where to begin? I mean, it was super disappointing, right? Like that's a game where we probably should have won. Um, and you know, the ball was in our court to win, right? It just didn't feel like we were up for it. And, you know, it, for, for me, I kind of got, the sense that Spurs were falling into that same trap that they have every once in a while where they feel like they're better than the other team and therefore they don't need to try as hard. Um, and that kind of, it, it kind of bit them in a way, right? Suddenly they were having to crawl, you know, claw their way uh, into the game and, and try to find a source of inspiration. And, um, you know, for me, that is the type of game, like when, when things when you expect things to be going your way and they're not, you have to look to somebody on the team to kind of rally the troops in a way, right? Really get everybody motivated and, and focused in, you know, remind them, hey, you know, we're here to play, we're here to win. Um, we can't just be half-assing it. And, you know, that's just not something that I saw out of our, our number 10 there, um, which is... I think a theme of the, the, this past week and certainly the season so far is that he just doesn't really feel like he's into it at all. Right. Like, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk more analysis about the Chelsea game as well, but for this one in particular, you know, it, he wasn't really finding himself in positions to like be the recipient of, of progressive play um, you know, the, I, I often applauded him last season for, you know, kind of driving back, taking the game by the scruff of the neck and trying to make something happen, you know, release son, release whoever else, um, you know, to open up that space and, and open up a, a threat to goal. But, um, you know, without son, obviously that's a, a huge miss. Um, but even still he would drop deep. And you would get, you know, a, a midfield player or even, you know, one of the, the fullbacks who would get the ball and you're looking upfield and there's no movement forward. There's no nothing. He's kind of just standing still right next to you. And that's not what you want out of somebody who, uh, you know, we are just touting just what a month ago, like this guy's worth like 150, 160, $170 million. Like that's not what I saw from him midweek. That's not what, you know, we saw from him against Chelsea either. Um, and you know, uh, 
there there are some of those apologists out there who want to say, well, you know, he's not getting the service. It's like, yep, yeah, he's not all. He's also not making himself available for anything, um, and and that's where it gets a little tricky, right? Like, yes, there is some degree where midfield just sucks and, you know, you can't really get the ball to a forward, but at the same time, when they do get the ball, if you're not available for it, it's just as wasteful. Um, and, and that's what I saw a lot of. And, and it wasn't that surprising to me that we looked more threatening when he came off, right? Like Dane Scarlett, he didn't really offer a whole heck of a lot. You know, he's still a, a, still a kid, still trying to figure out how to play in you know a, a professional you know high intensity environment um so i you know i can understand that he's not quite getting in the positions that he needs to but the fact that he was moving around was opening up space for others to kind of get involved right and that's where we saw hoybjerg uh when he came on midweek be so impactful right he is the type of player who's got the mentality that the entire squad needs to have he's just like you know no nonsense you go in there you put it all on the field 100 you give it everything um and you know he got rewarded for it you know that was great it sucks that we also picked up a bunch of injuries uh in that game you know bergwine back for like what five minutes before he went down injured and you know, Lucas picking up a knock. That just, it's not going to help our problems with our lackluster attack. Um, but you know what? Kane still fit and he's not doing himself any favors either. And that for me is the biggest problem that we've got so far. Um, you know, I've, I'm glad we got the point. You know, Ren isn't a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. That was probably our most difficult game of the group stage, you know, so it's, it's, not the worst thing in the world, but honestly, that's a game we should have won and it just didn't happen. And, you know, you got to start to question the mentality of the players, which is something that we've talked about time and time again, uh, you know, not just on this podcast, but I think Spurs fans in general are kind of, you know, they've got to be feeling, oh no, not again. Like here's the mentality, the weak mentality, right? That's a common theme and, and you see it a lot. Fortunately, and and this is maybe a little bit of, of sunshine in this cloudy uh dismal sort of week the players that have been coming in recently your your uh Reguillon, um emerson royale um you know hoyberg for sure they don't really have that same kind of mentality you see them fighting tooth and nail and even though they might not have their greatest game the fact of the matter is they're still pushing to the final whistle. They're not giving up 30 minutes into it, 60 minutes into it, and just kind of, you know, looking for the excuse, looking for just any reason to not have to put any effort in. They're still trying. Um, and that's kind of what I want to see from, you know, our more established players, especially number 10, who thinks he's worth all that much. Um, you know, I said it last week, I'll say it again. You think you're worth 150 million. You think you can, you know, deserve a spot at a club who just prints money prints trophies earn it dude fucking earn it you're not doing that right now you're not doing shit right now um and that's just not acceptable honestly if we had another striker that wasn't dane scarlet um uh, you know somebody a little more experienced i'd say bench him he's he has no business being the starting 11 right now if we had carlos vinicius still would you uh start him 
Oh, without a doubt. Look, I, I, I liked him. I'm not going to lie. You know, people said, oh, you know, he wasn't that impressive when he played in the league. But you know what? He was our top scorer in, in Europe. He was. Season. And, you know, sometimes that's what you need. Just somebody who can, you know, put in a shift against these, uh, you know, other, um, you know, mid-table European squads. I, I think we miss him, honestly. You know, he's somebody who should have been starting uh, up on that uh, in France there at midweek. I think, he, yeah. I think if we had him, we would have won that game outright. I got to, I got to agree. I, um, you know, Vinicius, uh, he's, he's played, he's played in elite uh, in, in an elite league, uh, in Portuguese league. Right. So um, he's played in an elite league. He's had that type of experience. He came in and played for us last year. I, I don't understand um, giving him a one year pop with, with somebody, you know, like Jose Mourinho and, and, and not giving him a second chance. Um wasn't the wasn't the purchase price like crazy high? I don't remember what it was. No, yeah, I, I guess it was. I guess it was, but I and you know, with with Don Fabio out there, I I almost want to believe that he could have worked out maybe another loan or or, or figured out something along the uh, along that line. You See, know, the thing, um, the thing that really intrigued me about this purchase price thing is what is the value of not having. A backup right. striker, right? Like right, how much right, are you right. hurting right now? We've essentially got you know 150 million dollars worth of dead weight up front. If we had spent the extra, you know, 40, 45 million, would we have overpaid? Definitely. You know, the, he's a player who's probably in that 25, 30 million uh bracket, but the alternative is playing with just dead weight and nothing to back it up. And you to give me, him a single you give them a single year run out though. And I mean, it's not enough to even try and prove yourself or prove that you're worth that money. You're right. Have, you know, the, the, the thing is that when, you know, Vinicius had, had a lot of those, a lot of European goals, right. He top European goal scorer for us. Um, but he was kind of getting used to that system. He was, um, he also had to get used to making, making the runs, um, that he needed to make the score without being constantly offside. I mean, he had a problem being offside constantly last year. Um, but, you know, it, it, the speed is different. The, the style of play is different. Um, and I, I think he, you know, in the Premier League, so he never, he, he wouldn't have, you know, shown in the Premier League the way he showed in Europe, you know. You know what, you know what I liked about him, Mike? in in hindsight he he was a skilled player like you said he needed time to break in had to learn how to play in england had to learn how to get the timing down he did he did still produce when he played for us but he didn't produce you know in the premier league nearly as much as in europe but what was great about him was his attitude was right he was he was happy to be there and was happy to to work hard and seemed like he kind of brought joy to the to the team in the same way that lucas mora kind of brings joy to the team and they were they were buds anyway but he also he wasn't so good that he made Harry Kane feel threatened and get all wigged out by the fact that there was somebody chasing him. You know, like that's to me, that's a risk with a with a Harry Kane. If is he gonna be a, a prima donna and be upset if somebody's competing with him for time? Um they're they're kind of the the order of operation, if you will, will sort of maintain there with Vinicius. And it would have been nice to see him get another another year this year because 
a, a guy like him is definitely a missing link for us at this yeah, point. In time. He just needed time to, to adjust to Premier League. The reason he played so well in Europe is because he's used to that kind of style of play uh, outside of Eng- England is not an easy league to come in and play well in. You, you can't just do it. You know, no question. No question. There are even guys who have left and come back and said, oh, Jesus Christ, I forgot how to do this. You know, not jackass CR7, but, you know, <laughs> others. There are others. Hey, Mike, I don't want to belabor Ren because we got some other fun stuff to talk about, but you got any comments you want to um, throw out? Uh, about yeah, I get a, I, I'm, I'm pleased enough with the, I'm not pleased with the effort. I'm pleased enough with the outcome. That place, dude. Um, where was it we played last year in like fucking Bosnia or something like that, where it was like they uh, apparently like one of the worst stadiums ever to go play in. And it was like war torn and the fans were like vicious and violent. Um, that's what I saw at this place, like in Ren. Those fans are loud. They're finally back in the stadium. Like, I don't understand. At one point, they were showing that they were showing the uh, the fans in the crowd and there's fucking people with flares and flags and like, how do people get into a stadium with fire? That's what I had to, I had to the laugh. The entire like field was... was covered in smoke. It wasn't fog. It was just I... like, there was, there were people with fire in the crowd. I was in a, I was in a meeting. I wasn't able to watch this match, but I'm in a meeting watching you guys on WhatsApp as things fly through. And I see, I see you make a comment like, how are they allowed to have fire in their stands? I don't understand this. I, I laughed out loud in a, in a meeting when I shouldn't have. So thank you for that opportunity. It was good. But yeah, I, you know, it, it sucks. We had some injuries, but I mean, like Steve said, it's probably going to be the toughest, the toughest uh, match we see in pool play. And, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect anything different there. It was an away game. It was tough. It was midweek. I mean, what are you going to do? They, you know, he Nuno tried to, run out the same tactics he's been running out the entire season because he's trying to fix the defense before he goes into any kind of an attacking style. So we can move on from that shit. All right. Let, let's move on to something fun, Mike. We're uh, we're, we've been at this for about 25, 30 minutes already. I think it's time for a special segment that we like to call, Hey Mike, what you drinking? So Mike, oh. our, que- our question for you now is, Hey Mike, what you drinking? <laughs> um, so uh colonoscopy is over (laughs) (laughs) that's right we didn't ask for follow-up on that last week's streak uh so it it turns out that um i have some um some colitis and what they're calling is a moderate crohn's disease Uh, i just got put on some steroids and stuff and i can still drink beer um i just can't overdo it you know um so you know a couple a night is fine. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding. A couple a couple of drinks a week is fine. Um, so well, we appreciate you I, saving saving one for us. So thanks for that. What I did is uh, last night after on our way back through Stowe, we stopped at uh, the Alchemist, um, which uh, they're the brewers of Hetty Topper. Which you know anybody who knows anything about beer knows that Hetty Topper uh, for a number of years has been one of, one of the if not the highest rated beer in the world. Um, it's kind of the godfather of the entire uh, hop revolution, if you will. Um, but um, so we stopped there. I got some. I got some beers. Had a couple of nice beers there. Um, and then on the way back through, uh, 
Jeffersonville, Vermont, uh, we found this brewery. It was just kind of like in a house. We were driving by and saw it was in a house. They have like a little window out, like a to-go window out in front. But uh, we stopped in. We were able to walk through the house <laughs> uh, to the backyard where they were serving beers. And uh, I got some I got some uh, some beers. This place is a, a specialty beer place, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. I am uh, now trying to look after my gut health, right? Um, so this place is specialty in that it's a gluten-free beer company. Now, I tried a number of their beers. Um, I did not try this one. Um, my wife um, was not a fan of any of them. Uh, I was not a fan of any of the ones that I tried outside of. They had this strawberry one that was very good. It was very refreshing. It seemed like a, uh, almost like a seltzer. They're all very, very carbonated, if you will, and lighter, obviously, because they don't have that malt content in the, in the wheat content so this one here is their ipa i did not try it i'm an ipa guy um it's called uh, the wood splitter ipa um the brewery is called red leaf gluten-free brewing um they're in jeffersonville vermont got a nice little can with the red leaf on it and the map the map of vermont in green um so uh let's get this open and see uh see what we taste um, it's definitely not going to be wheat. <laughs> Fair. You know, I will say this, and this is probably the hottest take that I'll ever have on this show. Ooh, ooh what, what's going to be? Let's hear it. Here we go. I don't think Hetty Topper is as good as anybody makes it out to be. I just drank one, just so you know, while we're, and, <laughs> I, and I, you know, it's, it's still fucking delicious. I don't care what you say. That's this nice. smells really. This smells. This beer smells really, really good. Actually, it's, it <laughs> Steve, smells hoppy. Steve, I can remember the times. You know, this is seven, eight years ago when Hetty Topper was kind of like the absolute king, and you know, following when the deliveries would happen, where they'd happen, standing in line to to pick up like your two your two four packs. You know, so uh, now I can go to the grocery store and it's at like Shaw's. So it, there's no no difficulty in tracking it down nowadays. No, I, I will I, put some. I'll put some pictures of the brewery on the. Uh, on the uh, Facebook page, that way we I can show you how big this fucking brewery is and why yeah. you can find it in every store now. Um, but before that, I used to go up to the brewery. It was in downtown uh, downtown Waterbury. It wasn't Hetty Topper wasn't even their most popular beer. You know, you could get it in a bottle, or you could get it on tap at the at the bar. But it wasn't until there was uh, Irene hit and they lost everything and the one fermented beer that they had left that was floating the 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 entire fermenter was floating in the basement of the brewery was recovered by long trail on otter creek and they brought it to otter creek and finished the beer and then you couldn't get the beer so all these people that were saying oh this beer is great this beer is great this beer is great they couldn't get it because there was only that much left and they hadn't rebuilt the brewery yet that's what created the fervor for it so when the story came out they found out boy i this this beer is really good and it, and it actually is it's, it's a very good beer but there are plenty of beers that are just as good i think so getting to this gluten-free beer <laughs> red leaf 5.1 percent alcohol 73 ibus uh that's a hoppiness scale smells really fucking good it looks cloudy 
It's interesting. The, the, just um, watching you think is is fascinating. So yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> it's it's really interesting. Again, uh, I'm not going to get too fucking nerdy here. It's got no goodness gracious, don't do that. It's it's <laughs> so it's very very carbonated. It's um you can taste the yeast. Um, it's probably because they can't use any any gluten uh, any gluten tight milk. So there's there's no re- wheat, there's no spelt, there's no rye, there's no barley in there. Um, I'm I'm assuming it's it's yeast or it's a uh, it's a uh, rice. It doesn't say on here, but I'm assuming they probably use rice, given that it's you know so light. Um, it's not terrible. I don't I think I would go compare out. to the uh, colonoscopy uh, concoction that you had to drink. Oh, that thing. I, I think I gave it like a negative three out of 10 or some shit. Uh, no, this is much better. <laughs> um, I, you know, quite honestly, I wasn't expecting much. There are a couple beers that are gluten-free beers that are good. Glutenberg is very good. They're out of Canada. Um, uh, I, Alchemist used to make one called Celia, which was fucking terrible. And most gluten-free beers I've tasted are terrible, but this one's not bad. I, I can't say that I would drink a number of them. Um, I, I, so in the end, mouthfeel, like I said, it's just very carbonated. It's kind of yeasty. Uh, it's very hoppy. It's the hops, you can, they pop right out. I'll give it a four out of 10. All right, we'll take that. Well done, sir. We appreciate that. Yeah. That was your that was your latest installment of Hey Mike, what you drinking? So Mike, we appreciate it. Enjoy the enjoy the rest of that one. And it slammed down. All good. Let's keep rolling ahead, <laughs> boys. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk about Sunday. Let's talk about Chelsea first. I I, I want to throw out um, some some props to a friend. So I have a family friend whose name is Nixon. Mike, you're going to appreciate this. So Nixon actually works for the University of Notre Dame. He's the, the head trainer for the men's basketball team at Notre Dame, All right. just to give you some context. So he's, he's your guy. The problem with Nixon is he is a Chelsea fan uh, or has been a Chelsea fan. However, I hate the fucking guy. Um, I, I found out just yesterday that Nixon is a new listener to the Wicked Spursy podcast. So oh, I love my, the guy. My stated objective is we are going to bring uh, we're going to bring that that fella around to the to the good sides. So um, I'll keep you updated on how Nixon, the hopefully former Chelsea fan, uh, transitions into rooting for the right side of London in the the uh, the proper color blue shorts. So we'll 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 keep you posted as that proceeds. But let's talk about the the interesting train wreck that was yesterday. Mike, why don't you get us started? What's your what's your take on what you saw against Chelsea? So uh, just just to be clear, uh, like I said at the top of the. At the top of the show here, I was uh, at, a, at a tournament, my son's tournament, um, you know, and I tr- I was going to try and ignore the WhatsApp, the, the constant barrage of like, what the fuck is happening here? Uh, WhatsApp stuff. And, uh, you know, the, what's what, what, what struck me kind of funny, like Dave said something on the WhatsApp chat, like, uh, you know, South Americans have finally come back and they're both and they both go down the first three minutes. And like, I, I looked at my phone because I got a notification. I went. Oh shit. Oh shit. I got to get on WhatsApp. I got to figure out what's going on. I had no service. Otherwise I couldn't get like score updates or anything. And, and as soon as Dave's like, no, 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 they're up now. It's fine. It's fine. Everything. It was fine. so, it was so classic after all that, like all geos history, literally two and a half minutes in, he's on the ground holding his leg. Like, you gotta be kidding me. That that's that guy's story right there. In my opinion, um, Go back to you. So yeah. I, so I didn't get to watch the game live. Um, 
I, at that point, kind of just tuned out and, uh, and uh, just went back to my son's games and uh, looked forward to uh, a nice lunch with the family and some beers. But um, <laughs> I got home, uh, everybody went to bed, and I uh, popped the games on. I popped the game on uh, the Peacock, uh, NBC Peacock replay. Um, what I saw in the first half... Um, I liked the lineup. Um, I liked the idea that uh, that Skip wasn't that Skip wasn't there. Um, that we had Geo back in there. I liked uh, I liked Sonny being back in there, seeing Dyer out there. Um, I was a little concerned that you know you're you're put. I get Romero was the number one uh, defensive player in Italy. Um, but I was a little concerned that you're sticking him out there against Chelsea, but they might've, you know, Nuno might've just had a, Hey, let's see what the fuck happens. It's Chelsea, you know, little chance you're going to win. Um, I thought that, um, uh, I think we played very well, lots, lots of possession based soccer. Um, I wouldn't say we attacked too, too aggressively. But we did have the ball a lot, and we had a, a, a lot in in the Chelsea uh, in the Chelsea end of the pitch. Um, I really, um, I really thought the passing was clean. The passing was crisp. There were a couple that, you know, um, Delhi made some a couple of really bad mistakes. I think I think uh, there was a breakaway um, that happened because Dyer again was fucking around in midfield for some reason. That happened in the first ten minutes, but. I, I, you know, I was texting the the WhatsApp last night while watching this, and I went, okay, ten minutes in, looks okay. We're, you know, twenty minutes in, looks okay. We're pretty good. And it got to halftime. I was pretty pleased um, to find out that it was like what fifty six percent possession. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Um, uh, both had six. We both both teams had six shots. Um, both teams. Uh, um, both teams had a pretty similar uh, pass completion percentage. It's just Tottenham, Tottenham held possession. And, and I, I honestly thought that, why can't we stay with this team? You know, uh, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to say that they were, that, that Chelsea was nervous or anything like that. I don't think they got nervous about, you know, oh, they're going to score on us, but there were a number of chances where, you know, we we played we played pretty well. I I, I don't think Delhi had a fantastic game all around, but um, and then I got to watch uh, the NBC halftime show, and uh, and they were talking about how Chelsea was kind of sitting back, you know, defensively. I, I think it had something to do with the fact that you had Ndombele in there, you had Geo in there. They they recognized Thomas. Tuchel recognized that, you know, this, he, he's putting an attacking team out there, right? They, uh, what they, what was their formation? Like a four, three, three, something like that in the first half. Um, Big that Christmas tree kind of thing that they do. Um, I I still don't like Harry Kane had some nice, I said it, God damn it. I do it all the time. Uh, (laughs) He had, he had some touches, some nice touches, didn't look to me like he was playing up front. It looked to me like he was playing back. I think Sonny was the guy up front is what it looked like to me. But 
sometimes it got a little chaotic around the box. So it was like, it's hard for me to tell um, what they're kind of doing there. But, um, you know, I mean, overall, the first half was fantastic. But we get, again, we get into the halftime show and they said, well, Chelsea's sitting back a lot. And it took me a minute to think about and like, yeah, they kind of are sitting back. They might've been a little bit nervous about that, that team they put out there being the attacking team that they are. I thought Ndombele played very well, actually. I thought he played very well for being, he might've been the only bright spot the entire game for us, um, given the fact that he hasn't played since what, April or May of last year. I, I, I mean, outside of the run game, um, but like in the Premier League, like it, he actually looked really, he looked really good. And maybe he's uh, what I talked about last week is playing for, uh, you know, playing for a contract to sell me, find, find somewhere for me to go that you're going to recoup, recoup your money. Cause otherwise, you know, he's not being sold, but um, the second half was dismal. It was just dismal and guys got in their own heads um it just it just looked chaotic it looked disorganized um I, I i think you know i honestly don't think that emerson or or romero had any issue in the entire game but outside of that everybody else was shit sunny i mean sunny looked like he hadn't been on on the field for a while you know um geo looked like you know, he hasn't been, you know, picked for a lineup in a while. Like Gio had some bright spots in the first half, but like, um, you know, I, I think it comes, it comes down to, you can't, you can't, I, I don't, I didn't like the substitution so much, but you, you can't, I didn't like the skip substitution, but you can't blame Nuno. You can't constantly blame Nuno, you know, all the time for everything. At some point, you have to, like Steve said earlier, like you have to put it on the players. It's on the players out there. They got to get it done. They played well enough in the first half, but I mean, where do you where do you toe that line? Where do you balance it out? With do you do you blame it all on Nuno um, for not being able to get his guys to play? But it, it seemed to me they they completely switched their their tactics in the second half. They, they, they completely switched their formation. It looked like they went to like a four, two, three, one, all of a sudden out of nowhere. It was really strange to me. Um, it, it was, it was like two different games. I, I don't know what else to say about it. Like, the, you know, like the second, I, I the second think it goal was kind of shitty to too. I mean, no question. No question. I think the truth of the matter is Tuchel's a pretty darn good coach and he did what you don't often see. He subbed at halftime. He made an impact substitution, took off mountain, put in Conte and, and like that literally changed the game. That's what the announcers were saying when it happened, you know, that changed the game and it it was completely different. And, and we lost our heads. We reverted back to the Spurs of last year, you know, the Spurs who were defeated, the Spurs who didn't have any uh, disposition to see out a game and it, the wheels just, the wheels just fell off. But we are, they, you know, I mean, we're, we are rebuilding, right? I mean, yeah, we're in the point. midst. And, and that's, to me, that's interesting. We'll talk more about that after we do our next little segment, but um, it, we are still in the midst of a rebuild. And, you know, I've seen people on Twitter say it all the time. It's the hope that kills you, you know? So you see a first half, like, like, like you saw yesterday and you're like, this is going to be it. You know, this is finally what we've been, we've been waiting for. But then you realize you're playing maybe the best team in the world 
who's just, um, they're hustling you, right? They're just, they're just hanging back and letting you show all your tricks. And then they're just going to punish you on the back end. And that's, that's what yeah. we saw yesterday with, with our yeah. team that is, is rebuilding. Um, <clears throat> Steve, I'm wondering, could we go, could we go to, uh, play a little game of, uh, chicken, little Bob Marley, if you don't mind. And if you recall the last time we did this, yeah, you had the chicken little, stance so gonna ask you to flip it up this time we're gonna ask you for the the bob marley everything is going to be all right position statement your job is to not only convince me but to convince all of our listeners that everything is going to be all right then after you do that mike's going to come in and drop the hammer and explain to us why um why it's all a bunch of crap and the sky is falling but steve you get the first shot so i'm I'm leaning into this one i'm very excited mike's ready mike's been prepping for this steve i don't i don't know if steve can uh I'll do my best. Let's hear it. Well, Captain, Captain Optimism, Steve, let, let's go. <laughs> well, the thing that I'm looking at right now is, you know, the criticism that Nuno's received, you know, he's Jose 2.0, all he's doing is this defensive stuff. And what we saw in the first half in particular against Chelsea was an attacking setup. And they were actually, you know, it looked like it was going to work out. So there are glimpses of a system in which we are not just playing ultra defensive, we can attack and it can be effective. That's in there somewhere. Um, And you got to remember, you know, this is a guy who came in um, with just a couple weeks really to go before the start of the season. He's got players coming back from, from euros, from, you know, world cup qualifiers, from God knows where, uh, international soccer. So, you know, he didn't get a lot of time to get them together, plays three games. They, you know, they're not super entertaining, but we got the wins, right? So that's something. And then they all disappear to internationals again. So you've got an exhausted squad that hasn't really played together all that much. And your best players are kind of all over the place, right? Some of them are, you know, working to, to reintegrate into the squad. Some of them are coming back from having their wildest fantasies of dream moves completely demolished. <laughs> you know, at the end of the uh, transfer window there in, in Canaan and Dombele. So you've got players who are just mentally trying to get themselves reintegrated. You know, we saw when Pochettino started, it took him till November. Um, yes, a lot of those performances, you could see what he was trying to do. But I'd argue that with Nuno so far, you know, he, yes, he's had his his moments of criticism. Um, and I, for one, have have leaned into those when I felt they're just, but the one thing that I can't criticize him for is that he's, he's changing things up. He's, he's actively working on, on, you know, making things better for the team. It doesn't always work, but you can see that something is being tried there. And I think that's the interesting part. And the one that is probably going to get overlooked the most you know, because we all expect these instant results. We got three wins right out of the gate, and all of a sudden, everything's looking a bit more miserable right now. Um, but I think it, it, with a little bit more time, you get the fitness back up, you get players a little more comfortable with those around them, the new signings, the new uh, uh, fitness regime, the new strategies and tactics. And I think we're going to see a lot more of first half Chelsea as the season goes on. We just need to, you know, be a little patient here, right? It's, it's a couple of games, three games that haven't really gone our way, but we are seeing some positive uh, shifts from a, a coaching perspective. And I think that that's going to come 
to the better, hopefully relatively soon. I'd love to see it, um, you know, for the Arsenal game where everybody just kind of clicks and buckles down. But, uh, you know, definitely a couple more weeks out, and I think uh, we'll be having a very different conversation about how well the team's performing. Steve, a compelling effort. Well done. Appreciate the uh, appreciate that everything's going to be all right. Optimism, Mike. I want to hear what you can do with the other the other stance on this. Tell us why this load of crap is falling off the tracks. Look, uh, you know, I, I typically um, I, I fall typically like in my personality is I'm, I'm kind of a pessimist uh, w- w- with that. You know, I'm. The Jerry Garcia line, you know, every silver lining's got a touch of gray. I'm kind of that guy, you know. Um, so, but I, you know, I, I, I do like to look on the bright side. There's always some way way of thinking like, yeah, we still got a chance in this. There's there's still a chance in this, and maybe there is. Um, but you know, I'm not a Nicky Winks type optimist where I'm constantly going to go, oh yeah, well we're only three points out of fourth place. You know, we're only, we're only five points off the top. You know, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I can, I, I can't, I can't figure it out that way. I will always, always, always root for my team to make it. I will never say let's fucking pack it in, but I got to tell you right now, what I, what I've been seeing out of this team after those first three games, I, I was able to be a little optimistic. Um, and it, it, let's, let's take, you know, the training regimen out. Let's, let's take the, the thoughts about, you know, he's fixing one thing at a time here. If he doesn't do something to right the ship soon, he's going to be looking at being gone really quickly. Um, I, I got to tell you, like, if, if he doesn't do something um, very soon, with this lineup, with his tactics, with his substitutions, what's going to happen is that he's going to he's going to lose to Wolves and get us knocked out of the FA Cup, which is a big fucking deal. We can care about cups, you know, fuck that thing. But actually, this is this is this is Carabao coming up, not FA. Just so no, know. it's no, it's not. Yeah, it's Carabao. I thought it was FA Cup. Steve, if I'm wrong, correct me. Steve's gonna look it up now. Keep going, Mike. We'll get the update. If it's Carabao Cup, then then fuck that thing. I don't care about wolves. You don't but, you don't care about it, yeah. See, here I am. The sky is falling. Um, I'm gonna tell I'm, I'm gonna tell you that if he doesn't it is Carabao Cup, it is Carabao Cup. All right, fuck it then. Um, but I'll tell you what. Still, if he doesn't take care of business, we get knocked out of a out of a out of a cup run. Then we if we lose to the fucking scum on Sunday, or we have a terrible performance, we end up drawing with them somehow he's going to be looking at being out on his ass really quickly because he's got a run of games. They're going to get and the games are only going to get tougher because you have to play man United before the end of October. And, you know, that's going to be probably, it might even be tougher than, than the Chelsea uh, situation. You, you, he has to, he has to figure out a way to get his shit fixed quicker than he's doing it. You know, maybe, what we saw in the Chelsea game is, 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 you know, maybe a little semblance of what can happen, but I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that the players believe that. And if he, and if you can't make your players believe that, and maybe it's a systemic thing within the whole club, 
Um, you know, it's you, you, if you're a coach, you got to fix attitudes. And if you're a coach in a professional league, you have to win. And if, and I don't care if you're the manager of the month, but what's happening is that like, we're what next to bottom of the, uh, of the table for expected goals. We're way, way, way down the list on expected wins. Um, you know, and as much as like baseball has the WAR, I think the WAR is a bullshit statistic. Um, you know, the wins over replacement. It, it, it's, it's, I don't necessarily believe expected goals and expected wins are, 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 are a bullshit statistic. Um, it's, it's a measure, it's a measure of how you're supposed to perform given the situations that you're put in. And it's just not working right now. It's just not. And I, and I don't see it changing anytime soon because you can't get your $150 million man to play. You can't keep your, you can't keep your fucking international players stateside to, so that they don't one get COVID or infect the entire fucking team or two, um, you know, get themselves arrested in South America because they went there kind of illegally, you know, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, it, it is, a, I guess it is a systemic thing within the, within the organization. I, I, we have to fix this shit. And if you don't, you're going to be looking at yourself right down there with, with fucking Norwich and Burnley and Arsenal and the rest of that fucking bunch that aren't worth shit right now. Um, also, you've got an asshole who won't play for you uh, because he's throwing a fucking little crybaby fit. Um, you have midfield players who won't even try to get him the ball, and maybe that's because they're still pissed at him. Um, maybe he's still got an attitude in training. And then you have no backup for the asshole. I can say it. I will say it over and over and over again. Dane Star Scarlett should have been sent on loan. He should have been sent. So write the ship quick or we're fucked and he's, and he's gone. We'll have to wait for maybe Pochettino because nobody's going to take that fucking job. We'll end up with Ryan Mason again. Mike, also a compelling spirited uh, delivery there. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm impressed. You both did well. You did so well that neither one of you swayed me because I'm remarkably neutral on this question here today. So <laughs> here's, here's my, here's my You're real piece of shit. Take a side. Yeah. <laughs> but he, here's my why I've got, I've got a why at least um okay if you walk into a dark forest for a week oh wow you, this guy's a teacher you walk tell. into a dark forest for a week and then decide you want to get out of the forest mike how long do you have to turn around and walk to get out of the get out of the dark forest at least as long okay i i know where you're going with this and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll, I'll assuage you here because it, just say a week mr dave just say a week that's all i'm looking for buddy <laughs> it's gonna take you at least as, as long as it took you to get where you are bingo and so what we have is a club that walked into a dark forest for a, a long long time started before the champions league loss when uh pochettino failed to failed to let um Lucas start and put Kane in, but started way before that as well. We've been walking into a dark forest for a long time. It takes time to recover from that. 
I don't know about you guys. I don't see Nuno as Spurs manager in four years. I don't see him as Spurs manager in three years. I don't see him getting past his contract. Yeah, there's maybe a chance in two years, but, you know, he might not be the Spurs manager after one year. And I'm actually okay with that because what I know is after someone wreaks destruction on an organization, you need someone to come in and be the transition leader before the right person comes in. So I actually see Nuno as what he's doing is he is trying to turn the team around and get them to start walking back out of the forest. He's trying to at least inject some some stability and some positivity so that guys aren't tearing each other down, that they're at least potentially lifting each other up. And I think you do see that in the post-game comments from some guys that aren't normally put up there to do the post-game comments. We know Hoybier can talk a good game. We know that we know that number 10 will get put out there to say things, and he's actually the most disappointing of all the post-game commenters that I, I see at this point in time. He's a disaster. Um, but he can't but, breathe through his nose. I mean, that's fair. But I, I truly do think, like, the reality is, go back to Pochettino's comments, the painful rebuild, is it's still in full force, guys. And the hope is what kills us because we see these glimmers and we get excited. We go, ooh, we're top of the table at nine points. We all knew that Arsenal wasn't going to stay 20th and we weren't going to stay first, but we let ourselves believe that for, for a little while. And then people lose their minds when that doesn't happen. We've been, I've been saying it this team will finish somewhere between fourth and seventh, no matter how this season plays out, they're going to be in that range. They're not going to be top three, really doubtful. They'll they'll be fourth unless things really kind of settle in. But what did we expect? What did we truly expect at the end of last season and coming into this season, there was nothing else to expect. So I really do look forward to seeing, I think Nuno's a good guy. I think Nuno at least has stable principles I think like you said earlier, Mike, even though you debunked it in your in your uh, chicken little piece, I do think he's trying to stabilize the defense before moving on to more attacking type of options. I think he's just trying to inject solid principles and not screw up a bunch of pretty talented young kids that they brought into the club. And if we let Fabio continue doing some work, I think we're going to continue to see that, that grow and build. So I'm really excited about who the next manager is. I'm really excited about what this team looks like a couple of years from now. And I can live with the disappointment of what happens, you know, on days like Sunday, if I see a good half, I can live with the bad half. As long as I know that we're trending in the general right direction, not everyone believes we're trending in the general right direction, but I do think in terms of like the core of the club and it not being rotten, I do think that that is being tidied up and I think good things are happening. I welcome your responses. I got to tell you, I, 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 I found it very hard to do kind of, kind of do that segment, you know? <laughs> um, so did Steve. <laughs> yeah, you know, so like I, I, my, my thought was like, find a theme and kind of stick with it and just pound on it and pound on it and pound on it. And, you know, you talk yourself into circles and then, you, you, you know, if it, you're trying to stay within the parameters of, of, of your segment, right. Of your, of your piece. And uh, you don't want to contradict yourself. And there, there are a number of things that I said before that, you know, touch on a lot of what you're saying too, is that it's going to take some time, but it's still, uh, you have, we as Spurs fans have to understand that given some bad run of play, we, we might be in trouble, but I, I know I've said in the past, like, give it to Christmas. Jesus Christ, give it a little time. You know, it's it's going to take time. We sometime sometime in January we got to find her, or, or maybe th- there's a guy out there who's just waiting to be picked up. We need to find uh, a backup or uh, 
for number 10. Or sell number 10 too. That's an option in January as well. Yeah, I, I don't know that that's going to happen. No, I agree. It's not. You might, was, be, you might be able to sell him to PSG and uh, he can go and fail with the rest, the, the other three biggest players in the world. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds, sounds good to me. Hey, I want to do a time check, guys. Uh, we, we're on about an hour. I think we probably have about another 10 minutes if we want to go another 10 minutes. How are you guys doing? Are we okay on, good. on time? Cool. Let's, uh, let's look ahead a little bit. Steve, I, I, here's the question first. We said a long time ago, we don't care about the Carabao. So do we even want to talk? I thought it was FA Cup. I really did. (laughs) Do we even want to talk about Wolves? Or are we just going to say, yeah, we don't really care. Scrap that one. Let's move on and talk about the scum. What do you think, Steve? Your call. I think that given the injuries that we have, especially in our attacking line, it doesn't make sense to put out a full force squad when you know that you're going to be criticized more heavily if you uh, don't come away with three points against uh, Arsenal at, at the weekend. So for me, I would expect to see a rotated squad against uh, Wolves in the Cup. I don't think I would be terribly upset if we crashed out of it, to be honest. Um, but the caveat there is you need the three points at the weekend. If you do not get that and you crashed out, that is a failure of a week, in my opinion. Um, and it's going to be even worse if you put, you know, a, a, a number of starters out midweek and then they're just too tired to keep up with the game plan at the weekend. Like, if you're going to prioritize one of these, prioritize the Derby, make sure you get those three points. And I can overlook anything that happens midweek. Anything less than three points is an absolute failure, in my opinion. So Coach Stevo Espirito Santos says, that's good. I, I, I just made that up, actually, Steve. That I hope that sticks. Um, Nikki Winks but, and Stevo Espirito Santo. But just just scratch the midweek and get the three on Sunday. That's that's what Coach Stevo is saying, right? I mean, obviously, I want them to, you know, try and go for it. But I think you can go for it with a – you know, a heavily rotated squad, get some of the youth guys out there and then, you know, give them the experience. And if they get the result, that's fantastic. If they don't, it was at least you at least gave them some experience playing, you know, competitive fixture. Um, You know, obviously I want them to go for the win, but you also have to consider we don't have Bergwine. We don't have uh, Lucas. I do not want to see Sun out there because he did not even look remotely fit to be playing against Chelsea. He needs Is Sessegnon going to be healthy at all, ever? Who the fuck knows? Who's, who's that? I don't even know who that guy is. Oh, let's talk about Sess, baby. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did, uh, you see what I did there, right? I, I do. I do that, yeah. That's my fantasy That's my fantasy Premier League team. <laughs> Fantastic. But yeah, um, the squad, see if you can get a result. If not, you better damn get a result against Arsenal. Honestly, if you got the win against Wolves and still lost to Arsenal, I'd probably be upset about that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I do agree. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's yeah, talk I, Arsenal, Mike. What are your thoughts on on the weekend um, away at Arsenal? So I I, I don't think um, I don't think you're going to see number ten midweek. I think you know he has to have. He just came like these other guys. They came off of international duty. I think they need some. They need a little bit of rest. So. If you don't have to play him, don't play him. Like Steve said, heavily rotated. You're probably going to see Brian out there. 
You're going to see Joe Roden. You're going to see Davis. I, I think you're going to see the same for Wolves, quite honestly. I don't, I don't think Wolves are going to put their, their first team out there, even though they don't have, you know, a lot to be worried about with European, uh, with European matches. Um, but, you know, I don't think they're going to put their first team out there. They want to, they want to try and make Europe next year. Um, so, I mean, you're probably going to see Dane out there. Um, midfield, I, I'd like to see Skip out there. Um, I don't want to see a completely defensive midfield. So you, you've got to put him out there with somebody who's going to, who's going to be an attacking, uh, an attacking sense. So maybe Gio. Wix music. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Nicky Winks. You know, Nicky Winks is a holding midfielder. <laughs> don't ever say that he's an attacking midfielder. That guy, I, I, sw- I don't care what the stats say. He, he never passes forward. <laughs> and I don't care what Nicky Winks says either. So, um, you know, I, I, I heavily rotated, heavily rotated. You want your best team out there. And your best team out there for Arsenal is going to be the team that played in the first half against Chelsea. And don't make any fucking boneheaded substitutions after the half in the 60 minute mark. Um, you probably, you might be able to get to see uh, Tanganga back out there. You might see Emerson midweek um, getting some more run out there, but um, Sanchez, you might want to get him in midweek. You might want to put him back out there with Dyer. Who knows? Like they were working well together. Yep. The defense was clicking pretty well. Um, I, I don't, I don't see us losing this game. Um, but again, you know, like my dad always said every, any given Saturday, or Sunday in this matter, in this case, you know, anything can happen. It's a derby, man. It really is. And, 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 and whether we like it or not, it, it can come out, it can come out on the wrong side of the, on the wrong side of the coin for us. And we don't want that to happen. Mike, let's point out a derby is a horse race. A derby is a, is a football match. So let's it's just, fucking let's... spelled D E R B Y. All right. Speak English, buddy. Speak English. That's what there's we're no doing. A in there. There's no A in there. And you know what? I, I've decided I'm going to start saying I'm going to start saying his name again. You are, yeah. You know what? And for all of her shortcomings, uh, J.K. Rowling once wrote in her book, uh, "A fear of a name increases the fear of the thing itself." Right. Um, and for all of her shortcomings, her social shortcomings, um, I, I think that's a that's a pretty uh, profound statement. So let, let's fucking say it. Let's 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 say it all together. Harry Kane, Florida man. <laughs> I, I see you I, over there. You're, uh, yeah, Mike. Do it. Yeah, you may be a, a week ahead of us. Steve and I might be a little behind you, but we'll we'll catch up eventually. Hey, man, he scores. He scores more than one goal in that in that derby. derby. In that what? Derby. In the derby. <laughs> uh, then hey. guess what happens. We we start saying his name. Everybody know. everybody forgives. Yeah, then he'll have uh, two goals in six Premier League games. So yeah, that would be that would be not amazing. Anyway, moving on. Um, Arsenal match on Sunday. Uh, Mike, our our wicked Spursy friends of the podcast uh, are meeting up at Goodwater and Wilston. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, um, the Green Mountain Spurs. Uh, are, there were. Um, trying to to rebuild our uh, supporters club so um 
once a month, we're going to try and uh, roll out to Goodwater Brewery, uh, get some good food, get some good beer, see Aaron out there, and uh, and watch some uh, some good soccer together. At, at least, yeah, w- at least hopefully well performing soccer. Um, so we can have some laughs, we can have some virtual that virtual high fives, some fist bumps, and whatnot, and whatever you're allowed to do. Um, you know, so let's let's get out there and try and support our club as best we can. I'd like to get a, a crew out there. There's plenty of space for people to distance if they want to distance. Um, it is a family friendly event. Um, so, you know, we we have kept our uh, it, even me. It's very tough, but keep our swearing or cursing to a minimum, um, especially give, given the fact that they've been so nice to allow us in there. And they are a restaurant as well as a brewery. So, um, and food uh, will be starting to be served at noon. So you'll be able to get your halftime wings um, and it, just come on down and have a great time. Uh, we would love to see everybody. Um, and like I said, throw some high fives if we can. Very good. Very good. Let's move on to closing comments, guys. Uh, Steve, what do you have for closing comments before we wrap it up? Uh, yeah, I just want to give a special uh, shout out to uh, our, our center back, Joey Rodin. Um, I thought he had a fantastic interview this week. People were asking about, you know, last season and then starting this season with injury and not getting to play a whole lot. And, you know, this dude just comes out and he says, you know, the past's in the past. Like, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm focused. I'm going to do what I need to do right now. And I think his performances so far have been you know, adequate. They've been good, you know? Um, and, and I just have to appreciate a player who is, uh, you know, not going to get caught up in these, uh, you know, kind of mental struggles with himself. Like, Oh, I didn't play a whole lot last season. I'm not playing this season. You know, he could easily, you know, go the, uh, what was me approach. I'm not getting what I want. Uh, but no, this guy, he's, you know, it is what it is. Heads down. I'm working. I'm going to show that I have a spot here and that, you know, I deserve to be playing. And I'm not disappointed when I see him on the team sheet. You know, I like the guy. I think he's a great defender, Uh, you know, still room to grow, lots to learn, but you know, that interview made me a fan. I I really appreciated hearing that. That's the kind of attitude that I think a a lot of the other, um, you know, entrenched guys on, on Spurs, could use right about now just head down look i'm here to work i'm here to do what i need to do and i will prove to everybody that this spot is mine and i deserve it that goes to him yeah i totally agree and he i still feel like he's a guy that gets overlooked i feel like he gets forgotten about he doesn't get brought up in conversation that much and uh i do think he's a talent he made some mistakes last year but they were they were your brand new here and just figuring out what's going on mistakes. But generally I, I like what I see from him. So appreciate that shout. Um, Mike, how about you? What are your closing comments? Um, I just, I, I, I don't think we actually touched on it. Um, Jimmy Greaves died recently, right? Appreciate uh, you bringing that up. Great point. Um, and for somebody like me, who's, uh, pretty recent on the uptake with uh, in my Spurs fandom. Um, I'm a, I'm I'm the type of guy who will always and I was as a kid too. Like my favorite teams, I look into their past 
to see where they got where they are today. Um, this guy uh, was an MBE. He um, he's the all-time scoring leader in in English soccer history. All-time Tottenham, obviously, scorer. Um, but on top of that, he was he was a philanthropist. He did a lot. He did a lot for the fans. He did a lot for uh, the people around him. And and we should probably just give a little shout out to to him and to him and his in his legacy and and his history with the club and um have all of our all of his family and our thoughts and and prayers if you will um you know so i i guess i'll just leave it there um outside of that like i don't know if you guys have anything to say about him but i i, I honestly like i went back and looked at some youtube you know some youtube videos and 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 read a little bit on him. Uh, he he was truly he was truly a great guy. He did a lot for the game. He left for Italy for like a, a year or a season or two and came back. I mean, he started with with Chelsea, right? So, um, but he was he was Spurs through and through, and he was uh he was probably the first Coys guy, and 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 died being a Coys guy. You know, Mike, I really appreciate you bringing that up because. When when he died and that became public, um, and all of course you see all the all the media attention to it, and they you know did the moment of respect for him at the match and all that. Like I was trying to think of a comparable for me in in my own life and my own sporting experience, and so here's what I came up with. So again, I'm a I'm a latecomer to English football. I'm a latecomer to football in general because I didn't grow up understanding or playing playing soccer at all. So that that history history of spurs like i've had to read about you know it's come from books it's come from digging around online so like never never uh not of an age where you would ever see anything like that live but you read about it you learn about it you kind of watch some videos i was trying to think in my own experience so you guys know being a kid growing up outside of chicago big chicago bears fan mike mike knows that and i was trying to think okay so for my hometown team like who's who's a guy from that same era that that carved himself out as almost like the prototype of what the best ever would be and for me that answer mike i think this will resonate with you dick butkus you know when you think when you think about a linebacker if you know anything about american football like the earliest prototype of of a modern like crushed everybody linebacker is this guy named dick butkus who is still living but um just kind of had that imprint and that gravity that followed him when he played and continued to follow him, you know, through the decades, even up to now. So even kids that are born, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, they know who Dick Buckus is. They've heard about him. And, and my connection is that's the same thing with Jimmy Greaves with Spurs and with Chelsea and with, you know, a number of other teams. So just, right. just the significance of, of a guy like that and the history of the club, it, it, you can't even really quantify it other than to try right. to find a, a parallel type of example. I have the same the same type of uh, thing with uh, uh, Ted Williams, you know, being a big yeah. Red Sox fan. Yeah. Um, and I remember when Ted Williams died, and you know, my buddy and I uh, <laughs> were at the bar. We took a shot of uh, of Jägermeister to kind of toast him. We were watching the the uh, memorial service at Fenway Park on the on TV, and the the entire bar was completely quiet. Everybody was watching it, and. Uh, my buddy and I took shots of Jägermeister, and when we did it, we said, "There goes the greatest hitter who ever lived." 
and and, and I'm sure I'm sure a lot of longtime Spurs fans can kind of they have that same type of a thing you know Ted Williams had said that you know when when he dies he wants people when they think about him or see him they would say there goes the greatest hitter who ever lives so that's why we said that I'm sure a lot of Spurs fans feel the same way about Jimmy Greaves so yeah and hey I think I I think as a final point on that is the stuff we talk about, the stuff we enjoy, you enjoy it because it's not just about the game that was on Sunday or it's not about the game that's next week. It's it's about history. It's about connectedness. It's about uh, a fabric that goes through a community. And that stuff is far more important than, than nil three to Chelsea, you know? So it, it's a, yeah. it, 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 it's a big deal to, to give respect to the people who've carved out a path for the things that we all have the, the pleasure and the blessing to enjoy. So on that Cheers. note, gentlemen, I appreciate you. Um, appreciate the time. Thanks to all our listeners. Coming you Spurs and everybody be safe and have a great day. Be safe, everyone.